Welcome to everybody to church at 10, 10 o'clock. Uh, I forgot to say to Colin about palm crosses, so uh, they're being given out. If you haven't got a palm cross, including the singers and Sue, please, you do need one. Um, so at the stage over here, Debbie, I think. Um, have you got a palm cross at the front? No? Yeah, we are. There's some people here who do need them too. Welcome, welcome. Um, if you don't know who I am, I'm Peter, I'm the vicar, I'm leading the church today. Uh, Chris Denstrom. Leading the church today. Leading the church today. Maybe tomorrow as well. Um, Chris Densham is preaching. Chris is sat at the front here. Uh, Chris will introduce himself to you. He's the ecumenical mission enabler for Telford and Shropshire. Lovely to have you with us, Chris, today. Uh, Sue is uh, leading music, and we have three wonderful singers as well. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? Uh, we've got Cheryl, Claire, and Naomi who are leading us in song as well. Our theme today is confidence through courage, 
Uh, we're finishing our LICC series on confidence this morning and, of course, we're celebrating Palm Sunday. Rachel is doing Muddy Church. Is that right, Rachel? Excellent. Yeah, it will be muddy because it's been raining a lot, hasn't it? But so Muddy Church for uh, primary school age children and Debbie and Ellie are leading a group for 11s to 14s, 15s year olds um, this morning. Uh, please note the electoral roll is being currently revised and that will close on the 11th of April. Uh, if you're not in on the electoral roll, please make sure you get on it. Um, the form looks like that, it's a pale blue form. Um, it is an important thing to be on the electoral roll for all sorts of reasons. If you're not, please do add yourself on. Uh, if you are a resident in the village, you can fill it in straight away and give it in. If you are a resident outside of Basin Hill, uh, the rules are you need to be attending here six months. Um, but please do uh, fill that form in if you are not on the electoral roll. Thank you. Uh, the one prayer meeting tonight is at 7 o'clock. Please do come to that if you can. Uh, lots of other services coming up, of course, as it's Holy Week. Uh, morning Thursday, we have a communion service here at half past 7 p.m. Uh, in town, there's a Good Friday Walk of Witnesses in there, Ian. Uh, and it's 10, was it meeting at 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock in the quarry. 10 a.m. in the quarry. Do go to that if you can. Uh, we have Good Friday meditations here in church between 2 and 3 p.m., and then Easter Day, next Sunday, we have our Easter Day sunrise service on Lith Hill at 6.15 a.m. So any early risers are very welcome to join us. Uh, it's a joint service with other churches in the local area. It's a great uh, time of celebration. 6.15 up on Lith Hill. And then Easter Day service here, communion service uh, at 10 a.m. next Sunday. Uh, Rachel would like to um, have a word with you. Happy Palm Sunday, everyone. Most of you will have received my newsletter, so you will know that I'm going on a mission trip to Israel and Brazil in June. I've only received um, two weeks of mission training so far in my life, so I really think I could do with some more, some more training. This is gonna be followed by a two-week outreach in the Amazon jungle. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, all of us are included in this. We, as ambassadors of the anointed one Jesus, will carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. I'll be living in cross-cultural community, camping and hiking around villages, submitting to the teachers who've been long-term missionaries. And this is a particularly difficult program um, and it will require a lot of faith and trust. It's the fire, but as I lose my life, I will find it. Resounding my heart is the phrase, worthy is the lamb. May he get the glory, whatever this trip looks like. I'm getting on the potter's wheel and allowing God to prod and poke anything in my heart that is not in alignment with his and make me more like Christ. I imagine I will learn how to endure and be accountable to others. Currently, there are 22 women and seven men from various nations in the world, France, Germany, Peru, China, Brazil, and America coming along. I report back here when I've completed the trip, and I imagine that there will be lots of testimonies of God's faithfulness, his goodness, and yeah, just an intense love of God. I believe this training will stand me in good stead for the next venture to continue advancing the kingdom, working with children, back in England and wherever God sees fit to take me in the future. Thank you for your prayers during this time. It's so appreciated and for sowing financially into this training opportunity. I leave you with this verse. May the fruit of your generosity bring you an abundant reward. From Philippines 4.17. Shalom. To, to pray for Rachel at this point. No, she's not going yet, um, but there's a lot there. You heard a lot there. There's a huge, uh, it's a big call on Rachel's life going on here. So I think we write to pray for now. 
obviously the financial thing is, is a big part of it, um, and she's appealing to you for help for that. So that's, that's between you and God, really, to pray through. But I think we good. If we just pray for Rachel now, and that we pray for her, that this calling on her life, you know, that God confirms that by word and by deed in the next few weeks and months. So let's, let's pray. I'll, I'll pray on our behalf, as it were, but let's, let's pray for Rachel. Father, we lift Rachel to you now. She steps out in faith for you and with you in these next few weeks and months, particularly, Lord, as she has this deadline looming of, of raising funds and, and being ready for this mission training and mission trip. Lord, I, we hear her saying she's only had two weeks mission training, but Lord, we, we know you are training us to mission every single day of our lives as we trust you. And uh, Lord, we believe, and Rachel believes, that you are getting her ready for this particular season of her life as she steps out in faith for you and with you. So Lord, we pray now that you would confirm in her uh, by the supernatural and also just by the very ordinary Lord of day, day by day that you would confirm in her this calling on her life to serve in this way. And that Lord, you would stir up in your church that that's these gifts of support, financial prayer, encouragement that's, that Rachel needs. Stir up in us those, those gifts, Lord. And uh, Lord, we pray that you do amazing things uh, as Rachel steps out with you. So we pray your hand, your blessing, uh, your, uh, your leading in Rachel's life. And right now we pray in Jesus' name. So we're going to join in with a, a call to worship as sort of opening statements of, of why we're here and who we are here to worship and adore. And there will be some words there on the screen to join in the, to join in the words in bold type. Thanks and praise to you, Jesus Christ, King and Lord of all, given the name above every other name. Jesus, King and Lord of all, we worship and adore you. King of righteousness, King of peace, enthroned at the right hand of majesty on high. Jesus, King and Lord of all, we worship and adore you. Great High Priest, living forever to intercede for us. Jesus, King and Lord of all, we worship and adore you. Pioneer of our salvation, you bring us to glory through your death and resurrection. Jesus, King and Lord of all, we worship and adore you. Every knee bows to you. Every, every tongue confesses. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. So let's stand and sing our opening uh, song of praise. There are flags to wave. Uh, children and uh, all ages, please do join in as we worship not God now. Let's stand.
to have a seat. And we're going to say some words of confession now, saying sorry to God for the way perhaps we've let him down this week or not spoken up for him in the courageous way he wants us to. And so there'll be some words again on the screen behind me for us to join in with and say together. Uh, But before we say anything, let's just prepare ourselves to be real with God. Not say these words out of rote, but to mean them as we say them. So let's just be quiet for a moment. And so let's say, let's uh, say these words to God together. O Lord, who on this day entered the rebellious city that later rejected you, we confess that our wills are as rebellious as Jerusalem's. Our faith is often more show than substance. Our hearts are in need of cleansing. Have mercy on us, son of David. Saviour of our lives, help us to lay at your feet all that we have and all that we are, trusting you to forgive what is sinful, to heal what is broken, to welcome our praises, and to receive us as your own. And so, Father, as you hear our words, as you look into our hearts, We do indeed pray that you would cleanse us from our sin, that you would restore us to that place of faith and trust in you, ready to serve you in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, your cleansing, your healing right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, we're going to stand and sing, King of Kings, Majesty. God of heaven living in me. Let's stand and sing together. So let's uh, pray for the children and the young people as they go out to their groups now. Father, we lift to you the children and the young people as they go out now. Lord, would you bless them doing the activities they're doing, that you would uh, be the one who that they can trust, they can trust you, Lord, with their lives. So bless them and their leaders now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so...
off they go to what they're doing. And uh, going to have our Bible reading now, and Rachel is going, Rachel Metcalf is bringing us our Bible reading. Thank you, Rachel. The reading this morning is taken from the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods? Or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. This is the word of the Lord. pray for Chris, shall we, as, uh, as he comes to speak to us. Father, thank you for Chris. Thank you for his ministry in this, this area, this county. And uh, Lord, we, we thank you for him that he's with us here today. We pray, Lord, that you would bless him as he speaks to us, that we would have open hearts, open ears, uh, to receive you and to follow you and be obedient to what you're saying. In Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. It's lovely to be with you this morning. So I'm Chris, Chris Densham, and I work part of my week for Telford Christians Together and uh, part of my week for Churches Together in Shropshire as uh, their mission enabler. I think the great hope of the ecumenical movement was that by now there would just be one church. There would be structural unity. But I suggest to you that God had other ideas. That actually God's great plan for the church was never some kind of monochrome, but actually unity in diversity. And over the years, uh, the ecumenical movement has undergone a change, uh, and that change, like so many things in our lives, has been accelerated by COVID. Um, The reality is, scripturally, biblically, the reality is... We're one in Christ Jesus, whether we like it or not. Whether we would label ourselves Anglicans or Methodists or Baptists or whatever, we are one in Christ Jesus. And the reason for our unity is that together we might be engaged in the mission of God. And so the ecumenical movement, you know, through churches together, groups locally and all those, there is a shift going on uh, that... It was really important, the journey that we've been on up to this point, because we needed to learn to trust one another. In one of the Shropshire towns, a young curate said to the secretary of churches together, do we really need churches together anymore? Because we get on all right anyway. And this lady who had been secretary in churches together for many years, she just looked at him, she said, Steve, with all due respect, when somebody says, with all due respect, you know you're going to get slapped, don't you? She said, with all due respect, Steve, you don't know what it used to be like when we didn't talk to each other, 
And the reality is, many people go to their local church not because it's an Anglican church or it's a Baptist church or it's a Methodist church. They go because that's actually just where they belong. And as I work around the county and as I work across Telford, working with church leaders, what I'm looking for is three things, really. Three things that work together. Looking for something that is relational, looking for something that is prayerful, and looking for something that is missional. In about 2004, Stoke was declared to be the worst place in the United Kingdom to live. And a group of church leaders got together and they said, do you know, that happened on our watch. We are responsible under God for the way things are around here. So they began to gather for prayer. And out of the prayer and the relationships, mission began to happen. And guess what? A few years ago, where was Voti one of the happiest places in the country to live? Stoke. Something had changed. Okay, that's the first sermon. Oh, while well, I remember. Uh, and so churches together in England sounds really boring. Uh, and I must confess, when I started this role six and a half years ago, I didn't think I'd have to connect with the national ecumenical kind of movement. Uh, and I had to deputize and go for something. I thought, if I'm really honest with you, I thought, that's going to be a waste of two days. Within half an hour, I was repenting like mad. <laughs> Because I was in this room where there were men in dresses, the Orthodox Church, right through to the Black Pentecostals, with real respect, and there was life and energy in the room. And I suggest to you, in my experience, just together in England, actually is quite a subversive organization. Because in our country at the moment, there's a lot of death in the church, but there's also a lot of resurrection. Because God is doing a new thing. And again, around Shropshire and around Telford, I, I see churches that are closing and dying, but I'm also seeing new things spring up. And uh, in a few weeks' time, April the 22nd, uh, here, okay, uh, Shropshire Hope, which is another organization I'm involved in, we have a, a morning of encouragement, okay? So Shropshire Hope Prayer Breakfast, it's free. Uh, you just need to book in on Eventbrite. And we've got the General Secretary of Churches Together in England as our keynote speaker, uh, Bishop Mike Royal. is a black Pentecostal, a really interesting appointment. And, and Mike uh, has a long history of working within Christian unity. Uh, and he will be speaking about the challenges and the joys that face the church at the moment. We've got some encouraging stories uh, from around the county of what God is doing. It'll be a really great morning. I encourage you, if you're able, to book into that. Uh, Peter will be advertising it. It, it. You know, the information's around. Okay. So that's the first sermon over. Let me get on with the second one. Okay. When our eldest son, uh, many years ago, went to university, he decided to go teetotal. Not because he didn't like a drink, not for any ethical reason. He just simply felt it would be much easier to resist the, go on, have another one, Tom, when he couldn't remember how many he'd had. And he thought it would just be safer not to have one to start with. We all face pressure, don't we, to be like everybody else. And most of the time, that does not conflict with our following of Jesus. But every now and again, we have a choice to make, don't we? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a choice. You know their story, probably, how as young men, they were taken from their homeland. They were taken from their home city of Jerusalem. Uh, and they were, they were taken away to Babylon, and they were trained and developed to serve the Babylonian Empire. And yet, throughout that, they continued to serve their king, the real king, the king of, uh, of all the king of kings, the God of Israel. But one day, and we heard that read to us, one day those two worlds collided, and they made the hardest of all choices, didn't they? And I would encourage you, when you get home, find that chapter and read the whole story. Because the pressure they are put on builds, or that they are put under, builds and builds and builds. Until finally, they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. 
He can deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. And since that day, many have taken a courageous stand for their Lord and God. Some have not been rescued, as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were. The reality is most of us in this room, we won't face that kind of stark choice. But if you're following the daily readings that accompany this sermon series, then this week you're going to be reminded of the everyday opportunities that each one of us face to take courage in our faith. We will read of the courage of the little girl who was a slave who spoke to her mistress about her God that led to the healing of Naaman. You will read of the courage of Nehemiah who in front of the king, rather than fudging the issue, took courage and spoke about what was on his heart that led to an astonishing journey. And I suggest to you this morning that Courage is not about one big lifetime decision. Actually, it's about a series of decisions every day to take courage. But let's be clear, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is always despite something. We don't often feel courageous. And so I'm going to introduce a little bit of culture now. I'm going to read you a poem. And I think it sums up that difference between when we take courage, actually what we look like on the outside, but actually what we feel like on the inside. It's a poem written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor, written from concentration camp shortly before he was martyred in 1945. And it's entitled, Who Am I? Who am I? They often tell me I step from my cell's confinement calmly, Cheerfully, firmly, like a squire from his country house. Who am I? They often tell me I used to speak to my warders freely and friendly and clearly, as though it were mine to command. Who am I? They also tell me I bore the days of misfortune, equably, smilingly, proudly, like one accustomed to win. Am I then really that which other men tell of? Or am I only what I myself know of myself? Restless and longing and sick, like a bird in a cage, struggling for breath as though hands were compressing my throat, yearning for colours, for flowers, for the voices of birds, thirsting for words of kindness, for neighbourliness, tossing in expectation of great events, powerlessly trembling, for friends at infinite distance, weary and empty at praying, at thinking, at making, faint and ready to say farewell to all. Who am I? This or the other? Am I one person today and another tomorrow? Am I both at once, a hypocrite before others and before myself a contemptible, woe-begotten weakling? Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest, O Lord, I am thine. And I think that poem goes to the heart of actually, when we take courage, on the outside we appear to be one person, but on the inside we are often a trembling wreck. But I encourage you this morning, we can learn to be courageous. I don't know whether you remember, uh, it was one of the dreadful terrorist attacks. I think it was the stabbing outside the Houses of Parliament. The member of the armed forces said this. He said, in a situation like this, most people run away from it. Well, we are trained to run towards it. You see, we can grow to be more courageous. And we grow to be more courageous in our faith by taking little steps day by day. Somebody once says, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than your fear. And Jesus lived courageously. 
But Jesus didn't experience the absence of fear. I don't believe. Read the accounts. We're going to remember this week, aren't we, the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, And the accounts tell us that Jesus was deeply troubled and distressed. He prayed, didn't he, Father, take this cup away from me. Uh, Is there a plan B? But despite this, Jesus is courageous for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising its pain. And we see that courage throughout the life of Jesus. We see the courage in the synagogue when he knows he's going to be criticised over healing on the Sabbath. And yet he brings the man out in full public view of everybody else. The courage of Jesus. We see his courage today on Palm Sunday. As yes, he rides into Jerusalem with all that acclaim. And yet Jesus knows the shadowy figures in the background. The scribes and the Pharisees. The Roman authorities. And in this week that we call Holy Week, we see his courage. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than your fear. And as followers of Jesus, we are encouraged to take courage on our front lines. It's a daily thing. And as I said, it probably won't be like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Probably won't be one great moment. But actually, every day, the opportunity. And the courage in small things. Because courage in small things can yield great fruitfulness. And so as I kind of land this, I want to just think about three ways in which you and I may may need to take courage. And I encourage you, and I believe the Holy Spirit will identify one that you can take hold of and live out. If, like me, you try and take all three on, you won't do any of them. Okay. So let's just pray a moment. Spirit of God, we pray that as we think about the practicalities of this, that you would bring that revelation that we need and that inward strengthening in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the first area you may need to take courage is the ability to, st- to make a stand over something or don't get involved in something. So it may be the unnecessary criticism of somebody that you step away from and keep away from. I don't know what it is. It may be already that you are clear in your mind, actually there is something that I need to take a stand over. Before I was a Baptist minister, because that's what I am, I'm not actually an Anglican. Actually, I'm not really a Baptist either. I'm a follower of Jesus, who happened to end up as a Baptist minister. Um, But I remember before that, I used to work for the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, late November, early December, uh, the conversation around the meal table in the lovely staff canteen was, what's the pay rise going to be? I remember we all used to sit there and moan and grumble. And uh, one year, I knew I was going off to college, and it didn't matter to me, and I didn't enter into, I didn't enter into the moaning and the groaning, and then I realized one day, I should never have done that. I shouldn't have been part of that conversation. I should have stood apart from that, because actually, I don't depend upon the pay rise for, I depend upon the Lord of all. And he's always met my needs. And again, little stands can make a huge difference. Again, I remember when I worked for for that pharmaceutical company, uh, going on a jolly once with a company that we used to do some business with. Uh, And we went to Lourdes uh, for a day at the test match. And the guy was uh, the host. There was me and another man there as guests. Excuse me. Just before play started, Andy, who was our host, said, "Um, pint of beer? Yeah, okay, thanks, Andy. So he he toddled off, came back with three pints of beer. Uh, Half an hour later, he said, another pint, boys? And I thought, no, thanks. (laughs) So I just said, actually, Andy, I really fancy a coffee. It's all right. And the other bloke said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll have a coffee. And uh, Andy disappeared. And this bloke said to me, oh, I'm so glad you didn't have another pint. He said, because I couldn't have drunk pints all day. 
couldn't have drunk one every half an hour as they and I couldn't either. But the fact that I just said, no, thank you, I'd actually given him permission to say. If I'd said, oh, yeah, thanks, Andy, he'd have said, oh, yes, thank you, even though he didn't want it. When we just make a small stand, it can make a huge difference. Maybe that, actually, that's not for you. It may be that the, you need the courage to make a positive difference. A friend of mine, Rob, uh, is a high flyer in the city of London, and uh, he had a new job, and he, it was this big open-plan office, and he realised very early on that the culture of the place was that you worked through lunch. The sandwich was delivered to your desk, and you didn't leave. And Rob thought, not on your Nelly. I'm going to change that. Because actually, the reality is, if you keep working through lunch, you're less productive anyway. So his first lunch, he went out, so it was right in the centre of the city of London, and he found a shop and he bought himself um, some joggers and some trainers, a tracksuit, and some shorts. And uh, every lunch break, he'd go out for a run. Because he, he had the courage to stand against something that was unhelpful. And actually, over his time, that began to change. We can be culture changers. We take the courage to offer to pray for somebody. We take the courage to be different and to bring a cake in on Friday. We take the courage. There are lots of ways, aren't we, in which God will make that positive difference. And the third one is that uh, maybe you need the courage to cross a divide. We live in a fractured society, don't we? Uh, and that, those fractures are emphasised by the media and particularly by social media, the kind of echo chamber. Do you have the opportunity to cross a divide? To spend time with somebody who's different to you? Jesus spent his whole life doing that, didn't he? The Samaritan woman, the leper, the tax collector, to name but three. And so I just encourage you to think, where do you need to take courage? Where do you need to practice being more courageous in your faith? Just a small step. Do you need to take a stand over something or, or not get involved in something? Do you need to make that positive difference? Or are you aware, actually, there's a divide I need to take courage and cross over because that will be a place of growth for me? One final thought. When we take courage... We step forward into a space, and it's an uncomfortable space. But I suggest to you, that's a space called faith. And when we step into that space, it gives God an opportunity to do something that he wouldn't have done otherwise. It's an extraordinary opportunity. So I'm going to play, pray in a moment, but I encourage you just to take that small step of faith, of courage, and in that uncomfortable space for us, because I don't find it any easier than you do, it's an opportunity for God to do something that we never dreamed possible. Shall I finish with a story? Yeah, I'll finish with a story. When I was um, training to be a Baptist minister, I went on a, again, is Rachel still here? Well, she's gone out, actually, to help, yeah, to serve. Uh, it, was a, it was a mission week, and uh, we were in the centre of Bedford, and I got talking with this lady, and, and she was really aggressive with me, actually. She said, I don't want anything to do with your God. He's a he. Well, I've had bad experiences of he's and him's throughout my life. I said, well, actually, God isn't a he, isn't he? I said, no, actually, there are parts of the Bible where God's described as she. Really? And there was a bit of a conversation going on. And then uh, the, her daughter and her son-in-law were there as well. And, and he got quite aggressive with me. Oh, you can't believe, oh, you know. And, and I found myself saying something that I wished I hadn't. I'm sure you've never had that experience, have you? No. I said, well, I know God exists for lots of reasons. One of the things is I've seen him heal people. And this lady I first started talking to, she said to me, oh, I could do with some healing then. Said, oh, right, okay. So uh, I said, what would you? She said, oh, I've got dreadful arthritis. Could you pray that Jesus would heal me? Now, I don't know about you, my faith at this level is kind of, you know, the faithometer's 
dripping down. So I said, yeah, I'll, certainly I'll pray with you. So I prayed a very simple prayer. We were kind of sitting in a row, actually, and I was kind of toward, and I got up and I walked towards her, walked past the other two, and uh, I prayed for her. Now, when we pray for one another in church, we can't, there's a lot of kind of unspoken understandings. And I prayed for this lady, and as far as I'm aware, nothing changed. And afterwards, just in this moment's pause, her daughter started weeping. And she said to her mum, because she was married to a Dutch, and they were going back to Holland. She said, mum, you must go to church. Why did she say that? Mum, you must go to church. She said that because she then, as she began to weep, she said, when you stood up and walked past us, I felt a presence go by. I felt the presence of God. Now, I'm not saying that to big me up, because I felt like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I was like, for goodness sake, how did I get myself in this horrible hole? But when we take those little courageous steps, who knows what God will do? Father, would you help us to be more courageous in our faith, we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, <clears throat> that you took courage for us and you gave everything that we might be yours. Would you help us this week, we pray, each one of us, just to take that little step of courage and thank you that in that space, you will be at work. We give you our thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Chris Sever, so much. It's great to have these three practical things to follow up on and, and trusting God in as we as we go out into the world this week. So thank you, Chris, so much indeed. Uh, Chris, I think we'll be able to stay around a little bit afterwards if you want to have a chat with him. Uh, please do. So we're going to respond in song. We're going to uh, stand in a moment and sing uh, the song, All I Once Held Dear. And it's talking about who are we building our life on? Who are we, who are our foundations built on? Uh, and our prayer and our hope uh, is that our, our foundations are in Jesus, on Jesus. So let's stand and sing, All I Once Held Dear, Built My Life Upon.
Do have a seat. And so we're going to uh, have our prayers now, our intercessions. And I invite you to have your cross, your palm cross, ready to use as we pray. And so we're going to pray for various places, various uh, situations around the world, uh, knowing that Jesus went to the cross for this world. And so if you hold your cross in your right hand and then place your thumb uh, on your other hand on the left cross piece or one of the sides of the cross piece and we're going to pray for the world as we hold our palm cross let's pray for the world father thank you for this world that you made thank you for this world that we live in and thank you god that you love the world so much you sent your son jesus to die for the world and Lord, we know as we watch the news, as we read the papers, as we listen to the news, Lord, we know that our world, which is a place of, of such beauty and wonder, is also a place of brokenness and tragedy. Lord, we know of places around the world where there is suffering, where there is misery and heartache. And yes, also, Lord, thankfully there is joy and so in the quiet of our heart I invite you to pray for a situation or a place in the world that's on your heart right now and lift that to the Lord in a moment of quiet Lord thank you that your spirit is working around the world to bring peace Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now, if you put your thumb on the other side of the cross piece, and we'll pray for people in need. Loving God, thank you that your hope, re your hope reaches into places of darkness. Your hope reaches into places of brokenness. Lord, thank you that you are everywhere. And Lord, we pray for people who are in need of hope, who are in need of joy, who are in need of your peace in their hearts, in their lives. Lord, we pray for those who are being trafficked. Lord, we pray for refugees. We pray for those who are trapped in poverty. We pray for those who are being downtrodden. Lord, thank you that your hope is breaking into these places of darkness right now. Lord, help us to be people who bring hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now put your hand or your thumb on the base of the cross piece. And we're going to pray for this village or pray for the communities where you're from, where you live. Loving God, thank you that your joy reaches into people's homes. Lord, we can't look behind every door and know what's going on, but Lord, you know what's going on. And Lord, we pray for people who are in desperate need right now of peace and healing and reconciliation. Lord, we pray for our village of Basin Hill. We pray for, uh, we pray for the communities where we're, where we're from. We pray, Lord, that your hope would break through, that you would bring unity, that you would bring reconciliation that you, Lord Jesus, would be uh, known and loved by many, many, many more people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now place your hand or your thumb on the top of the cross piece, and we're going to pray for those who lead us or teach us in churches. Father, thank you that your church is right around the world. Thank you we've been hearing about Susie's and Martin's uh, uh, trip to Kenya. And we, uh, we know, Lord, that you are working in all different countries around the world. You're not limited, Lord, by geography or time or space. 
And so, Lord, we pray for pastors, teachers, preachers, evangelists, apostles, Lord, that you would raise up more people in your church, Lord, to speak and preach and lead and teach for you. Thank you, Lord, for people who have brought us up in our faith, who are leading us right now. And we pray, Lord, for leaders, national leaders, the Archbishop of Canterbury and York, particularly, Lord, as they prepare for the coronation. Lord, would you strengthen them with your courage to speak for you in high places. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, finally we're going to pray for ourselves. So place your thumb, your hand in the centre of the cross, please. And just in a moment of quiet, just lift yourself to the Lord. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you know us through and through. And Lord, we pray that you would help us this week to stand for you in those places. To bring your hope, to bring your light, to make a difference for you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we uh, come towards the end of our service, uh, we're going to again say some words uh, that will be on the screen behind me. And then we'll sing our final song. So let's, oh, let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Sure, that's a good idea. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So let's have our final prayer, and then we'll have our final song. So we have gathered together with the crowds crying Hosanna because even if we were silent, the stones themselves would have called out. We have shared the hope for a world about to be changed and then it changed. We have walked with another crowd, one that called words of scorn and condemnation. And now we follow the crowd as it leads out to the cross and yet even as the world grows dark, we cannot lose hope. Because God is with us. God will be with us. Whatever happens, we are not alone. So let's stand and sing. Crown him with many crowns, a lamb upon his throne. Let's stand and sing together.
I pray a, a final blessing, just uh, a reminder or a, a maybe an invite to join with us tomorrow morning. There's a, a pilgrimage group who are traveling with the cross uh, through parts of the county and they are going to be here tomorrow morning about 11 a.m. for coffee. So if you'd like to come and, uh, and encourage them on their way, you're very welcome indeed. That's 11 o'clock uh, approximately the, tomorrow morning uh, for coffee. And so go with this ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace now and always. So let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ.